So, Keith, this was your idea. Do you want to yeah. tell us what it is? Hi. Uh, we watched Parasite. You know the movie that everyone's talking that about? That movie now that I made Keith watch. Yeah. The Oscar-winning Parasite, which which uh, Stephanie is happy to brag about how she was already recommended yes. for the Oscars, <laughs> yes. which is the thing that has to be said at the beginning of every discussion of Parasite. Let, let me it's have like, something. I'm not just talking about it because the Oscars. No, I actually saw it on a on a mediocre date with a date who didn't appreciate it. Who I made go, <laughs> I made him go see a foreign film on our first date. I made him read mm-hmm. subtitles for two hours. Good so, choice. I'm the real winner in that situation, <laughs> but it was amazing. That could be a good test sometimes. Is just whether or not they can even process the thing that you're like expecting them to be able to keep up with. We can go see some lighthearted fun flick but i'm gonna make you go see some artsy weird <laughs> film that is from south korea and make you read subtitles for two hours just take a date let me see your level style. of dedication <laughs> i dig it so, did everyone That's, love uh, did everyone love the movie how's everyone uh, feeling overall yeah, yeah i thought it was really good uh certainly there were i guess um there were some things that i uh, immediately walked away from the movie not liking very much. And then as it had some time to kind of bake uh, the next day when I thought about it again, it was like, hey, I can actually overlook some of the things that I thought were a little bit flawed. Uh, and overall, I mean, I don't really I mean, I'm a pretty lay person when it comes to knowing anything about film. But uh, I mean, I enjoyed it. And I think that has a lot of artistic merit. Mm-hmm. So. That's all I can really, that's all I can say about it. Yeah, I really appreciated that it's like a pretty unique story because I'm honestly kind of sick of like superhero blockbusters and stuff. (laughs) So yeah, I I definitely appreciate that it's, it's different. Yeah, I guess it actually got, I don't know if you guys heard this yet, but some, uh, another movie was trying to sue it for the story actually, because I guess there's like a, um, I want to say like. There's another Bollywood. movie, yeah, Bollywood movie that I guess had a, a vaguely similar plot line with a whole family working for another whole family who were related in secret, but everything else was like completely different. Hmm. Yeah, but hmm. they're getting Katy Perry. Katy yeah, Perry. I, I, I feel like it's too vague. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say yeah, yeah that, that's that was kind of. I think they got it got dismissed or whatever because that is like super vague. But it's like going like your like your movie follows the hero's journey, but my fo- movie follows the hero's journey, and then you sue Star Wars. Your movie has a superhero. <laughs> mine has a superhero. You have. I mean, he's all angsty. Homer, mine's angsty the writer too. of Odysseus, he's got a real stranglehold on that yeah. whole uh, <laughs> hero's journey <laughs> genre. Everyone, watch out for the the yeah the Homer. What you call it? Uh, the lawsuit. The Trump ball lawsuits. What do, you, what do you call it? Like the extended, the family that currently runs the stuff that they always refer to. Estate. The estate. Yeah, the Homer estate's going to come for people any day now. That guy's rolling in money. <laughs> it's oh, great. Man, you don't want the it's fucking great. Homer estate coming for you. They'll throw spears at you. They'll lock you in like a, a labyrinth that you won't be able to escape from. They'll shoot an arrow perfectly <laughs> through a series of rings into you. <laughs> and then you have to marry him. <laughs> The estate, That's probably the, the least estate. terrible part. I mean, then you get to be a part of the estate, yeah, technically. That's how it spreads like a zombie virus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the more copyright infringement uh, that occurs, the more we all become Until the world is the Homer estate, like, the, yes. like it's the Disney Corporation. Keith, what did you think? You heard everybody else. 
I it was like a master class in storytelling. I it was, wigged it, I, out when it, I saw it. Yeah. I like left the theater. I was like tripping. I like went home. I was like, hey. <laughs> I like, loved it. It does, every, it does everything right because it has like because it's like the no spoilers section for now because we're probably going to gush about specific stuff later. But like there's so many elements of like how it has a particular message, but it doesn't ever just like sit there like looking directly into the camera and, and stating its message in like a monologue. It instead tells it a lot visually and like the entire parts of the story are conveyed through nonverbal means in a really cool way, but also has like extended sequences that are very much like like uh, crowd pre- crowd crowd pleasers. Like the entire first act is just very fun to watch without any yeah. sort of ulterior motive. Like so that like people will be entertained and engaged and attached to the characters by then. So when it starts getting like weirder and and more overt. And what it's going for by then you're kind of already sold and i it feels like everyone would be happy with it except apparently stephanie's day oh yeah my day i was thinking like this this should be like good for everyone except for people that like are just completely incompatible with with subtitles is stephanie's date the uh the hidden fifth member of this podcast (laughs) that we just shit on (laughs) he will i was gonna say if he finds this i'd be fucking amazed (laughs) he's actually one of my lifelong dedicated lifelong he's one of my dedicated fans he's my biggest patreon supporter you know who you are stepdad or something i mean not stepdad (laughs) godfather godfather that's the one i don't think your stepdad by definition can really be there from the beginning unless you have a very odd family situation but i don't know your your parents re your parents remarry while your mom's pregnant like that quickly. <laughs> I think that's that probably might, happened. I think that I guess that technically makes them your stepdad by then, right? Oh, oh man, no. I bet that the yeah. stepdad really loves to hear that. If you were to give that a judgment, <laughs> it's not it's not a judgment. It's semantics. Oh, the biggest big judgment of them all. Is there is there anything Speaking more sem- ironic than using semantics to argue a semantic point? Semantics was at the core of a lot of discussion about this movie because of the fact that uh, segue. it, it yeah, segue it was just the fact that it was the uh, first ever foreign language uh, Oscar winner for best picture because there's yep. like a there's like this condescending segregated off category that they put every foreign movie in period just like how there's a, there's an entire category for animated films so that animated films can't win best picture mm-hmm. which. The Oscar is actually kind of a mess. Like it's, it's just a bunch of people that kind of anonymously vote for movies that they maybe didn't even see. It, it's definitely like someone. an old boys club, and it's definitely yeah. like a rich person's sort of. I'm glad. To, I'm really glad to see mm-hmm. this movie win an Oscar. Actually, I wasn't expecting yeah. that at all. I was actually no. surprised to even see it be like a nominee. But like, it's I, just, it's just, I gotta it's figure just that good at every every like award show like that is basically just a big marketing campaign. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um. I almost wonder if they were just like we we can't give it to we can't give it the Joker, <laughs> please. <laughs> like everyone's making fun of us that we keep making we keep giving the Oscar to war movies or movies about. I was, was going to say the, the number of uh, <laughs> Oscar year. winners that are about like the Holocaust is like yeah. extremely high. There's so many World War II uh, movies or movies that are about that are about the love and art of filmmaking itself or something like that. There, there, you get like a, yeah, a lot of like very similar type. Yeah, definitely types of movies that. Get nominated the circle for Oscars a jerk lot. itself. <laughs> that is true. It, no, that it literally true. will. That's, oh, that's the point. <laughs> oh yeah. Oops. <laughs> Got him. You, you need participants in the circle jerk, though. <laughs> yeah. 
But I, I think it, I think like this movie winning an Oscar is just like a, it just it had a really poignant message that I think like a lot of people can relate to regardless of where you're mm-hmm. from. And like great filmmaking can convey any kind of message regardless of like other sorts of barriers, including language. And this was like kind of a tribute to that. This is interesting to me because uh, the like you were saying earlier, Keith, the message of this movie wasn't like so overt, at least from the beginning, that uh, there were at times, especially af- like right after I finished the movie, where I was thinking to myself, like, OK, a lot happened. There's a lot of meaning to unpack here, but it wasn't something I was able to immediately hook into. Like the movie has a lot of and I mean, I guess we're still in the spoiler free section here, but the movie has a lot of messages about um, class relations and stuff like that. And it was very interesting to me because even like people in the lower class, as they were depicted in the movie, they weren't angels. People in the upper class, they were also not like perfect. So it was very interesting because it didn't really show one side, like one particular class being like flawless. Um, Because the system. That was like one of my favorite parts of the movie. I think it's a really good point. It's when you start start realizing the title is a question. Yeah. Yeah, really. Is it like, is it the upper class that's like leeching things from the lower classes or is it as it was depicted in the movie? That was a little bit more on the nose, obviously, where it was like the lower class was taking resources from like this rich family. Uh, and, you know, there's a, like one message was like very kind of just displayed on the screen and it was like okay well obviously the this like uh family is taking advantage of this um rich uh household but then the broader message as you think about it uh it was like it really does is like more about how the uh upper class takes from the lower class and drives them to this sort of desperate situations to begin with. Do you, do you guys mind if, if I just give like a brief synopsis in case, or like a, a spoiler free synopsis in case so. no one's yeah. watched this? Yeah, uh, sure. Sure. Enjoy the minefield. <laughs> well, no, I just, I just, can't I, believe I just, Stephanie I'm just, spoiled the movie at 11 minutes in. I'm just imagining that if someone hasn't seen, if they're like watching our review to see if they want to see it, they're not going to know like anything that we're talking about. Yeah. I want to say, I want to like, preface it by saying I thought it was going to be a zombie movie because of the cover. <laughs> Me like, too, It's a yeah. grim yeah. movie. Yeah, did you? And then like the, the part... T- the cover is, like, worrying. The part at the beginning, it is a very stressful-looking cover. But the part where the guy is, like, uh, peeing outside their house at the very beginning, I was like, oh, there we go. That's, like, Here that's going to be a fucking dead. zombie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought well, for what sure... what a synopsis. It opens with zombies and thinking that about somebody peeing. <laughs> Think about that next time you watch a zombie movie. And oh, that, God, and, this poster and, and does that, look like a zombie it movie. Does, it, it does. Kind of, yeah. and that it's called Parasite. It's called Parasite. And that concludes Stephanie's synopsis. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, there is a, a lower class family living in what is considered like the slums in South Korea who uh, tricks their way into working for a, a very wealthy family. By convincing this wealthy family that they all have unique and separate skills and that they do not know each other. Um, so, like, the son goes in as a tutor. 
he convinces them that the that their kid needs like an art tutor. The sister comes in. The mom ends up being a maid, and the father ends up being a chauffeur. And they kind of weasel their way and into wacky these hijinks ensue. Yeah, they like they get all of their original help fired for different reasons. They end up like worming their way into this family's life. Um, the family does not know that they're poor and that they all live together in the slums, and they have to hide this from them consistently as they try to take advantage of them and get all their nice lucrative pay um but i cannot i cannot uh explain further because that is when (laughs) spoilers happen the best part is that it sounds like you said a whole movie but it's like act one. that is like half of it yeah it's a it's a movie (laughs) when keith and i watched this uh together because i watched it on my bad date first um when Keith and hey, I watched it, you said it was it, mediocre. Is we, it going to be downgraded as we go through the podcast? I just like talking <laughs> shit. I just like, yeah. By the end of it, it's going to be a like a total destitute, horrible date that I'll think about the rest of my life. He's dead now. He's. De- <laughs> I killed him. <laughs> That's how bad the date was. But I like I had to work. I had to work that night, and I and they they were going to call me in early, and I was like, damn it, I want to watch the end of this movie, and I was like. Sorry, guys, I'm not gonna be able to watch the end of this movie. It's too bad because the ending is great. Uh, it turns out I didn't have to come into work early, and I was very excited because I wanted to watch the ending with them. Mm-hmm. But it, it like it, it it excels amazingly exponentially at the end. It goes places, yeah, it goes lots of places. That's basically that's actually a much better synopsis than I could come up with. So good yeah, job, really? you nailed every detail. But yeah, like you were it's saying, a, it's um, a heist thriller about class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, uh, you know, the the lower class family, as you can see in that synopsis, there's uh, a lot of deception that they use <laughs> to get uh, into the position that they want to be in, um, and. and the thing I thought about that was that was very interesting to me was these themes of uh, greed and how that came back to just like destroy everything. Um, class betrayal, uh, you know, selling out. They they tricked the family into um, firing like their their chauffeur, uh, their maid, like other people that were in the same social class as them. Uh, they were betraying them so that they could get a leg up and uh, get more money. Basically, yeah, an explicit lack of class solidarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that actually is probably either the f- most important theme in the movie or the second most, in my opinion. But uh, I thought that was fascinating how it um, tackled class solidarity primarily. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it also kind of it reminds or in a way, like Bird was saying, um there is no real villain in this movie uh, because everyone, I feel like, is in a way justified for their actions. The villain is and that we even, live in a society. Even the people that are taking advantage <laughs> of the wealthier people who, by the end of the movie, you actually, like, at least for me, I, I ended up, I, they were nice people, but I did resent them for being rich and I couldn't help it. And yeah. I, I myself was yeah. kind of a villain by the end of it because I also <laughs> hated them for being rich, even though I knew I didn't have a really good reason for feeling that way. Well, it's like when Bird was talking about who the villain was earlier, I was like, I was thinking the text is that the, the, it's a situation where like the text of the movie is that the two poor families are the parasites, but the subtext is that the rich family is the parasite. 
because the inequality is created by larger, like these higher up families hoarding wealth and and, but, and benefiting from the system in a way that that in in uh, disproportionately rewards them over other people that oftentimes that. work more. They're just like they're just like living their life kind of oblivious. I don't think they think about things like that, and that, mm-hmm. I kind of feel bad for them in a way too because they're so ignorant to yeah other people. Well, like, they don't know portrayed as being like very naive uh especially the mother yeah they're, they're so cartoonishly well to do that people are just fighting over the scraps left over from their family just to just to sustain themselves because they have yeah, so much like the, the rich family overall meant really well but they just didn't know what it was like for almost everyone else yeah and then another thing um that really drives the plot in the second half of the movie is uh, the way that they talk about um, the working class people that are even helping their household <laughs> is like super duper demeaning um, and very tone deaf. And um, it really uh, drives the dad to uh, do stuff <laughs> and things, <laughs> lots of things and stuff. It really breaks. It really like I, I th- keep thinking back to like that <clears throat> moment where they're talking about the father without him knowing or without them knowing they didn't know that he was listening and they're talking about how he he smells when he drives Mm -hmm. them around in the car like he smells like they don't know that it's that he smells like a poor person what they're trying to say is that he smells bad they can't really place the smell but what they're trying Mm -hmm. to say is that he smells like a poor person and i feel like every every one of us knows what that smell is in in a, in a certain in a different way and it's just really sad to think that like you could be that person who's very apparent like where your class is apparent like it's on you f- noticeably to other people and it's something yeah, that mm-hmm. like the father is ashamed of and it, it really like broke my heart that part it, like i it made me so sad because it's yeah, like a, it's a like, consistent thing that um homeless people very feel very dehumanized by is because like you know uh they're i mean that's just immediately what i jumped to because like i you know i live in a giant city and um like i can i know exactly what that smell is and so do they you know they like homeless people will talk about like how aware they are of um just that they smell like the street and there's like basically nothing that they can do about it. And they know that like other people are repulsed by it and that makes them feel really shitty. Like Uh, I I think back to like being in, in, like in school, there's always like that one kid who wears the same clothes every day. And like, you don't really know Mm -hmm. about it when you're young. You're just like, people make fun of that kid, you know, but you don't think about what that means. And there's that one kid that kind of smells like, kind of smells funky and you don't really think about that either but looking back on that it just makes you feel like like that that's it's such it's such a tragedy to be that yeah. person who's so obviously mm-hmm. struggling you got to figure out is this is this class smell or is this otaku smell <laughs> yeah <laughs> is this just because you're a nerd that doesn't care yourself or is uh, I mean, it because they had, can- they had to cancel emerald city comic con so <laughs> there's no otaku smell around here now i just I, otaku smell is such a thing i just no no, I, 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 no I've, I've been to like yeah like i'll never get over the, I, I go to sack anime every yeah. year i know what's up i'll never get over the fact that my lo- my when my, my local like pokemon go 
guild was organizing like a local pvp tournament thing they're like i swear to god shower or we will kick you out <laughs> it's like that's a real warning they have it's to not give uncommon yeah yeah really it's like oh man <laughs> yeah it's a whole uh, what thing. i've what i've found myself doing lately um if i walk around the city and uh i mean the thing about seattle is it has a very visible homeless problem i wouldn't i don't know enough to say whether it's better or worse than any other city but i will say that like there it's just more it's very apparent apparent yeah exactly uh like and so i make a conscious effort when i see um like homeless people walking around the city uh to think like they're probably um like whatever put them in this situation is probably 100% out of their control. It might be a mental illness thing that led to like bad luck. Uh, or they could have just, uh, been uh, hit with like some health problems that have been totally out of their control. And, uh, it just spirals and it just becomes like this situation that traps you. Well, and, and that's just what I think, uh, every time. And it's sad and sobering, but I, feel like it's better to think about things that way than be like, ah, they need to get the hell out of the streets or whatever. It's a big problem with Seattle right now, actually. Yeah, no, uh, anti-homeless architecture is like one of the most like heartbreaking things I've seen. It is. It's like, mm -hmm. we're going to spike stuff and add weird nightmare things yeah. everywhere. And like an ear, like ear damaging, weird, like, like, like they have like speakers that they have set up to get like teenagers and homeless people to go away by like, constantly making mm -hmm. them feel uncomfortable as long as they're within radius of the sound and stuff like that. Yeah, even close to like where we live, there used to be people who would camp in tents along the sidewalk, and now there are a bunch of plant pots along yeah. where they used to do that. Oh, and they like they try to make it all yeah. pretty, like <laughs> Yeah. Oh. <laughs> sad. But now the tents are gone because like where the they plants are there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're, tr they're trying to take their revulsion of people and make it cute. In in this movie or in Parasite, like the the dad, it's like referred to a couple times where they talk about how the dad had some sort of uh food shop. I don't I don't know South Korean food, so they talk about either like a bakery or a food shop and how it went under. And that that's like brought up to where like the reason for their poverty. Mm -hmm. So it's I missed like that entirely. Hmm. Yeah, yeah me too. no, it comes up and then later, um, like getting, oh, later. Well, I guess I can say it without getting into spoiler territory. The other family that is, that used to be the help hit the guy, the, the husband, he had the same backstory where he mentions hmm. he also had a food shop that went under and then it pans to like, to the dad. It's comparing their situations because they both think that they're like, but both their situations were like kind of avoidable tragedy, which is why they're poor. So they're also like in that same boat where it like wasn't necessarily their fault for being poor. They just had bad circumstances. Yeah. And both the kids are explicitly framed as being like very clever and resourceful, but incapable of affording going to college. So they just have opportunities denied them. Well, they talk about the daughter used to play violin. They're like, oh, does she yeah. does she practice anymore? Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, we can't afford lessons. So like they're both smart kids and he like wants mm -hmm. to go to college and he's like never going to get to go to college. You know, it's really sad. I felt for this movie a lot yeah. <laughs> as a poor yeah. person. We got to do the token conversation that everyone has in this when they discuss this movie, which, which, which is we got to talk do. about it. We got to talk about height difference. 
What? We got to talk height about the we talk, the, the shows. I mean, I don't mean people's heights. <laughs> I oh. mean, I mean the show's use of elevation. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Interesting. Specifically, oh, uh, yeah. the rich family oh, lives on, t- on top stairs. of it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the rich people, they live on top of a hill. You have to climb stairs to get to them. The opening mm-hmm. shot that establishes their place is the first time you see the sun. Because you've never seen the sun until then in the movie. You just see right. sort of grimness and just sort of a, a hazy midday, but never you never quite look up. But the, but yeah. specifically, uh, you show this. You see this particularly during a return trip from the rich family back to where the poor family lives. They just keep going down and they down, do. and yeah. they go down staircases right. and they go down hills. Well, they, and they live go, in a basement. They yeah. call it a sub basement, mm-hmm. which is like yeah. a type of apartment that's literally halfway underground. So they only yeah. have half of a window, and like their toilet is elevated. Yes, the the, to- the toilet's elevated because they're below the plumbing. Yeah. Which is you, you, which you can take on multiple levels. It's just like a logistical level of like just them having to deal with that or just like the, see, you're even lower than the shit or whatever. But, uh, specifically the semi basement represents this idea of being caught in between two concepts of being you, like in a basement, you're just actually underneath. But if you're just high enough that you have a window to the outside world, it's like you still have hope. And it, it speaks to like the like 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 what Americans are very familiar with, of course, is like the, this idea of the hope of being able to change what your current class is. And we're we're constantly mm-hmm. seeing it, which is all a the lie time on, in like social media, and like yeah. we just have this representation of like what our lives are supposed to be like, but yeah. it's unattainable for like a huge a huge percentage of like the average population here. And there's always this idea mm-hmm. that if you're a good boy and you just do the right things and you work really hard, you can totally rise above your station. And like their their living situation explicitly visually references that idea. Because they're they're just above the ground enough to be able to see past it. People it's like, peeing. It's like, what if they can elevate yeah, even peeing. higher? They might even be able to make it all the way up to the point where the other one is. If they just keep climbing, which is their goal, they're physically climbing every day when they go to the park's house, Parker's house, park. And they, they park, physically right? descend like back into yeah. their hovel. There's you know the staircase. So apparently that staircase actually. Well, obviously, it actually exists in South Korea, but it actually does separate two areas of huge class difference. And Mm -hmm. now a lot of South Mm -hmm. Koreans are looking at it like as a as a giant metaphor for this like separation. A lot of people apparently like a lot of people are very inspired by this movie to actually do things about class difference, or at least a lot of young people are like (laughs) they keep making Ramdon. And posting it on social media, which is like that ramen is a ramen udon mix that the the rich oh, yeah. the rich mom mm-hmm. requests, which is hilarious mm-hmm. because it's actually a very poor person dish, but she requests it with sirloin in it, which is like yeah, like see you just I you can't have, I, I hate yeah. it. Dude. I was like I hate all of them. Can I have lobster ramen, please? Yeah, it's basically yeah. asking for like if you ask for like the, yeah like top ramen in a cup, and then you ask for like lobster to be put in it. It's like yeah. that. It's like she no, doesn't even know about this. Time for the yeah. South Korean leftist revolution. Eat the Gangnam style. <laughs> I was reading about this a little bit, and I mean, this is tapping into something that is way beyond my knowledge here. But I guess that this uh, movie really speaks to like kind of the zeitgeist that's been going on in South Korea for the past, uh, I guess, about a decade. But I guess it's called. Um, there's a Wikipedia article, and I just pulled up. It's a uh, Hell Joseon. 
I guess that means Hell Korea, which is a term oh, no. uh, used to criticize the socioeconomic state of South Korea. <laughs> it's particularly popular amongst young Koreans due to their feelings about unemployment and working conditions in modern society. Hmm. Relatable. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting stuff, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess that it says it came into prominence in 2015. So, yeah, I guess this is very, very contemporary especially to the culture the youth culture in south korea Mm -hmm. i just bought a i just bought my i I just bought a car so i'm in debt now i should watch (laughs) parasite again (laughs) and then think about this (laughs) every time you make a major purchase just be like fuck gotta watch parasite oh man (laughs) (laughs) gotta eat some ram done oh man it hurts Uh, one thing i thought was actually really cool uh was I'd never seen um, a South Korean movie before. I actually know extremely little about South Korean culture. But uh, one though. thing I thought, one kind thing of? I kind of expected was I yeah, wanted to see how producer. people like dressed in South Korea, what like the, the cities looked like, what the architecture looked like. Cause I had a suspicion that um, it was going to look a lot more, Americanized and like a lot more Western than you might expect. Uh, and it was actually, uh, and that doesn't surprise me at all because, you know, South Korea and it's America are historically fairly well aligned. Uh, so I'm not surprised to see like a cultural crossover there as well. So that was cool. I liked that. There's a, there's a weird, little setup and payoff here in our podcast because i was just thinking what have i seen a south korean film before and it's yes i have it was a zombie Don't movie say here, sir. Yeah, <laughs> it was trained to busan <laughs> which actually it's that? a zombie movie it, it's a zombie, oh, that's hilarious yeah. it's a zombie movie that takes place on a train yeah. you should definitely watch or, it because or, that in itself yeah. is or in, in particular yeah, yeah it's like the zombie <laughs> apocalypse is happening their go-to escape is to try to escape on a train but that but just, makes, all on the just train keeps getting worse. It's actually, it, yeah, it's actually, it's, car a, to car. it's a legitimately great zombie movie. It's super good. Which is hard. I think it's on it Netflix. It seems like it's a better version of Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> oh, much Zombies yes. on a Train. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. No, everyone should watch Train or to Busan. a Bissan. better version of that one uh, Doctor Who episode that Keith, Keith likes. How, How dare you? One. I, I tricked you into which rewatching one? it and you're like, actually, this is great. I'm sorry. Is what you said. Which episode is this? You can't trick me. This is the David Tennant one. Uh, we're Midnight. Oh gosh, what was it called again? Midnight. It's called Midnight. It just check. Oh. Train to Busan is on Netflix, at least in North America, because that's you got to qualify oh. that. But Continue. everyone should watch that. It's really good. No, I would definitely like go to South Korea, but I, but I I do it. It was kind of very noticeable that the the richer you were, the more Americanized you were. Oh yeah. Like yeah. I remember her pulling out like. At one point, she pulls out a bag of dog food, and as soon as she... I remember her... She pulls it out, and she says it in English, because she's explaining to the maid how to feed her dogs, and she says, uh, natural balance. And I was like, oh my gosh, my dog has eaten that food. That's a really fancy dog food. I knew exactly what it was when she pulled it out. I was like, oh, that's that's like the synergy formula, natural balance. My dog has eaten that um, on a good week. somebody who's like way more familiar with south korean culture could speak to this uh maybe the lower class family uh is more in touch with like traditional elements of their culture and maybe the upper class family is way more uh in touch with like 
Americanized elements of their culture. It's, I would it's, imagine so. But I mean, it's I definitely don't know worth noticing to... that, like, they're teaching their kid English lessons. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. keep dropping English left and right like it's trendy. Yeah, that is. It, yeah. it is known to be trendy. And, they're, uh, and I don't think that the poor family really does that, even though they know English because they're the ones teaching it. Uh, That's a really good point. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, the, the, I told Stephanie then, like, the thing that kept, kept reminding me of uh, the character from uh, Django Unchained, by Di- played by Leonardo DiCaprio, that, like, is like the Francophile. Because it's like uh, trendy mm-hmm. to like, because like here, because like in, in the West, it was like trendy to like kind of fetishize the French. Well, yeah, so I was going to say, yeah, people yeah. do that. Like they'll they used to like drop French, like, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, to seem like they're classy. And then, and then you know, the, the, the rich kids or the rich uh, parents kid, uh, he was super into like Native American culture. Yeah. Um, that... But like this <laughs> really commercialized, totally out of touch um version of it with like the teepees and crap and but that that in itself is very symbolic because that like uh, native americans are one of the most like desecrated and like ruined individuals who had like Mm. this much uh i guess technically wealthier civilization come and just demolish them and Mm -hmm. and so so it's kind of like fucked up uh, for this, it speaks to this small child to be fetishizing Native American culture yeah. when they themselves are like basically the the people that would have ran that, the Native right? Americans out. Like they because basically would have been like the settlers. They are like the settlers. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't even they don't, know that because yeah, they're the so rich out family of touch. Is, is super out of touch. Yeah, they don't think about any of that. Yeah, they're just garish. Like, oh, isn't that cute? They don't even she know what that. they don't even know what mm-hmm. poor people smell like. <laughs> bring that up again yeah. they didn't yeah, like know they ready to be around they were like people. that that type of smell you know that type of smell and they're like mm-hmm. thinking about what, what it was the subway smell the sub yeah they call it this oh that's so the sad the subway smell that people it's who rough. ride the subway smell like that that's so sad it's a lot well everyone go watch we'll go watch parasite we're, I think we're done restraining ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think we just is... want to talk explicitly about anything now we're already on the edge enough <laughs> but there's a like yeah spoiler alert here on out Rec- we've already recommended it uh you should really watch this movie it's kind mm-hmm. of it's both really good and entertaining and kind of important so it's kind of like checks I, all the boxes i can't think of another yeah. m- movie that is um as about class struggle as this one <laughs> His other movies, yeah, his only his, his yeah. like Snowpiercer and Snow the Piercer host is about and the same thing. The pig one, Okja, Okja. Is, is that about that? Did you watch Okja? It's it it is to some extent, but I haven't watched it yet. But I, I've seen a synopsis about it though. Let's watch Okja. I want to watch Okja, and I and uh, all, let's just watch all of those movies. Fuck it, let's watch Mother. Okay, <laughs> and all the other ones. I need to rewatch Snowpiercer though, and probably discuss that one next. That's, that one's great. Have you guys, Snowpiercer. I, I read about it a little bit. I was like, you guys should yeah, watch, watch Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer it's very good. It's so entertaining. It's also in English. It's, it's amazingly it's hyper-realistic. Or like surrealist or whatever. It's actually, really crazy. It's, I guess actually it's semi-English. in Funnily enough, it's like Korean and English. And they kind of don't, oh. they barely acknowledge that they're just hopping languages sometimes. Well, it's because they have a, they have a Korean character yeah. who speaks with subtitles. Yeah, and and then everyone, I think everyone just understands them, don't they? Yeah, yeah, you know what? You're right. <laughs> like, they they like don't Chewbacca, ever like it's just yeah. like it's just it's languages are magic. <laughs> you just speak your language and it all gets universally translated, like the TARDIS and does. Tilda Swinton's in it, so you know it's good. <laughs> yeah, 
All right, uh, Stephanie, you gave the synopsis for the first half. Would you like to take us through the rest of the movie now? I will gladly do this. <laughs> so uh, the poor pam- family has integrated themselves uh, as parasites to the rich family. Um, during a point where the rich family is on vacation, they leave the house for a little bit. The poor people have a little party, uh, you know, hanging out as a family even though they're not supposed to be a family because no one's around to see them do it. They're, 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 they're like having a great time being rich for a weekend. The old, um, yeah, they're like raiding the rich people's fridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they're uh, drinking liquor. And yeah. And Making like drinking all their mess. very fancy liquor. But like the, um, the previous maid shows up to the door and says that she forgot something in the house. Uh, they let her in, which I don't know why they did this. I, yeah. that's like my one thing is like, why did she looks like a crazy person? The previous maid it was also raining like crazy, like, like scary, too. like creepy uh, and yeah, scary. She was soaking wet. She was soaking wet. She was like yelling because she was trying to yell over like the thunder and the lightning and stuff, which only made it seem like so much more terrifying. Mm-hmm. She's coming oh, for you. Crazy. The, the best I can think, because, yeah, I, I'm just screaming, like, no, no, yeah, don't, don't, don't do this you don't, whole You're not movie. obligated. You're not obligated to do but, like, that. I can only think, like, it was pity and guilt. Yeah. That mm-hmm. motivated yeah. that choice, because it was a strange choice. I kind of wish they did have her, like, or had they had her, like, look to the family and be like, well, she, like, but I feel bad for her. Or something. Like she, so I need some justification. Yeah, like, have, yeah. have the guilt get played up a little bit more, because it was a little, like, you're just going to let her in and then also like kind of like not not chaperone her so they let her in and she's like i left something downstairs i need to go get something downstairs and she walks down into the cellar which i probably wouldn't follow her either that's creepy as fuck mm-hmm. but she goes down into the cellar turns out sh- there is a secret bunker in the cellar that mm-hmm. the rich family doesn't even know about even though they live in that house and her and her husband lives in that bunker in the actual basement of the house, which is below the cellar. And it's like a cartoonishly deep staircase. Yes. Like it mm-hmm. feels like it feels like it's not a like it's not a real place. It feels like the like it's that the staircase itself is the first part where the movie gets like really strange in a way you weren't ready for it's like a horror movie staircase it's like Silent Hill it's dark yeah the lighting's terrible yeah it's it's made out of uh, concrete and very narrow it's like it's not really it's almost not even a basement it's just like a hallway with a staircase it's straight up like a Silent Hill warped space yeah Yeah. but it it like it's no it's like but the thing the thing that makes it even worse is apparently this guy has been living there for several years because he's actually in debt. So he's you want to talk about like metaphors as, as far mm-hmm. as like level and poverty. Mm-hmm. He's like below. He's subterranean because he's actually in debt. But he's been in that creepy ass cement block area for like for like like five years or something. And the reason she needs to get down there is because she realizes that uh, the the door was like locked. So he wasn't able to sneak out and get food from the fridge, which is what he's been doing mm-hmm. this whole time. So she had to go down there and give him food. Cause he was like starving to death down in the cellar. And I guess he's, he's in there like semi permanently because if he ever leaves, the debt collectors will find him. So she just, she's offering to give them money to keep feeding her husband for her since she can't work there anymore. But during this conversation, she ends up finding out that that family is a family and that they're all related she films it on her phone and then tries to use it as blackmail uh, to basically out them to the rich family. But uh, I'm trying to think of like an easy way to segue to the ending from there. Mm-hmm. 
Well, uh, she's planning on blackmailing them. Yeah, they get into uh, a fight. And um, then which... um, they end up uh, overpowering, like the, the poor family overpowers like the old, the, the previous maid and her and husband. Her husband. Um, they end up during the fight, um, the the previous uh, maid, I don't know, I keep calling her maid, but housekeeper, housekeeper. <clears throat> yeah, she suffers a concussion because she gets uh, like pushed down some stairs or something like that. Uh, and then they they throw her and her husband in the creepy cellar, and and then lock the, them back and in then there. lock them back in there. With, with the uh, and then the dad the dad stays in there with them, right? Yeah. No. Oh, no, no, he, no, he stays no, by they're the entrance. Down there. Yeah. Because what happens is while the while this situation's being dealt with, uh, the rich family calls because they're coming back from the camping trip early, and so they have to scramble to like quickly clean up the entire house and the whole mess they made. And, and the mom and has to quickly make the condescending fetishization of the poor the dish. rammed on. And then everybody has to try to hide at various parts of the house because they can't get out in time because the, the family arrives too quick. They're straight up like, we're going to be yeah, home no, yeah, in the, eight the minutes, husband, make dinner. The dad the dad <laughs> does hide in the in the basement because he has to tie them up. That's that's why. So he has to tie... Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He that's ties it. them up, which comes into play later because uh, because of him tying them up, the old... The previous maid ends up dying because she's not able to get access to help for her concussion, and so mm-hmm. she ends up dying in the in the cellar. Yeah, while the husband, who is also tied up, like watches her die, and then uh, while that's happening, the the family goes back to their house because uh, they have to sneak back out of the house because they weren't supposed to be there except for the the mom who was the housekeeper. She's the only one that was allowed to be there during the weekend when they were gone. Uh, they sneak back to their original actual house only to find that it's flooded. Um, they have to try to salvage all their things. Water. Not even yeah. regular water. Actual sewage. Yeah. It's really, yeah, the sewage really is like sad. Shooting out of their toilet. And- yeah. And so they're at like the lowest of the low at this point. This is like the most like pathetic. They feel like like the most they're pathetic. Literally things. below the water line. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they they have like nothing now. They're like, you know, um, but unfortunately, the next day, the the son is having a birthday party, and he, they're all obligated to go as the staff of they, the house. They, they don't. They all spent the night the night in like a shelter, like it was Hurricane Katrina, basically. Like they were mm-hmm. completely disenfranchised, then had to like wake up in the morning and like pretend to just like be happy servants again like nothing was up they have to go get clo- like um donated clothes and mm-hmm. like put them on and try to go to this party and act like nothing's wrong and that they didn't have their house flooded the night before um but during this party the uh the man who's tied up in the basement um through like a series of events ends up escaping um and kills the son <laughs> Kills the, no. Yeah, well, no, he kills no. the son. Well, he no, he the son tries survives. to. No, oh, wait, no, well, oh, he, oh, sorry. He tries to kill the son. You're right, you're yeah. right. I thought for sure he was dead, by the way, because the way that it's the rock, so like, violent thuds, that thuds off of his you're head. You're really convinced he's dead, but no, he bashes just, him. He just maims the son, then comes upstairs, and then in the middle of the party, just straight up murders the daughter, like, stabs her in the heart, basically. And then the mom stabs him with the, sh- the shish kebab. Which I love that scene so much. Yeah. And then while they're all freaking out because like, oh no, how traumatic. The kid like passed out when he saw this stuff. 
the rich family is like trying to take get the key car key uh, car keys and take off. Well, no, she, but, he, they're trying to get the guy to drive him. They're like chauffeur, yeah, chauffeur. Yeah, they're trying to get him to drive him, but he's not doing it. So because so, that's his because his kid's dying. Yeah, but yeah. they don't even know that it's his kid. They they're don't. Still, they're still they, a dying oh, person true. who needs help. Yeah. But yeah, but they, yeah, but they're still asking but him their to dying abandon. Person matters more. Even was he even dying? No, no, he just passed yeah. out. No. The he son, just passed out. Yeah. The little kid passes out during his birthday party when he sees this horrifyingly so they go the disturbing man crash his party and then kill some of his guests. Yeah. But but they're trying to tell the chauffeur that they need a ride to the hospital to prioritize them uh, um, over the his actual daughter, who is the art tutor, mm-hmm. um, who is dying on the ground. And like out of resentment for this situation, the father of the parasite family ends up uh, like stabbing the father of the rich family. There's one very small but really powerful detail in that, which is the the part uh, the, the the rich dad. He just comes over. He's like, "Okay, give me the keys if you're not going to drive them." And as he comes over, he like smells um, the dead body of the person who's hiding in the basement, who I guess apparently must smell like. Even more subway like than this person could have ever imagined. He's the poorest character in the entire movie. Yeah. yeah. So he, so the rich dad smells um, the now dead body of the person who was trapped in the basement, and he goes like, uh, and he like plugs his nose and stuff, mm-hmm. and that pushes the um, the chauffeur, the dad. chauffeur dad to. Um, it just pushes him over the limit at that point. It was like a final insult. Because he saw that so many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like that that that's actually a really good part to point out. I almost forgot that part. But like yeah, because like him that 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 man who was locked in the basement in the end is really no better than the parasite dad. Like they're not that far off from each other. Yeah. So seeing him mm-hmm. like in this this or like inadvertently not even on purpose just react negatively to the smell of this guy just like is really mm-hmm. a reflection of his own situation like i see that one moment as the thesis of the entire film like of who the parasite is it's like that's the moment when the dad realizes that essentially like the the, the class disparity itself is the villain here and so he he sees like in the, even though he's being attacked by is like his family's being attacked by this other guy. He sees the the uh, father of the rich family as being the actual villain that led to this entire situation, and I think that's why what pushes him to do that. Well, he, and he see he just represents the situation. It's he's he's not really a villain. And then even later, the parasite dad like feels sorry. Who's the chauffeur for, dad? Yeah, the chauffeur dad <laughs> feels yeah. sorry We've for him, killing like, three different things now. <laughs> it's not. It's not easy. Yeah, because they all have no, like, South not. Korean names, and so yeah, it's it's a bit of a barrier. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I forgot what I was saying. I was too busy trying to remember what his name was. <laughs> It's it's not it's not it's later not, on no, no, he feels bad. Busy. later on the, he feels bad the Kim about family it. Oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he feels bad Park about family. it because he's like he's like he realizes like it wasn't really his fault for being rich either but he just yeah he just was a representative of the whole problem yep. the dad was a metaphor <laughs> turns out the parasites we made were the friends along the way <laughs> no okay no <laughs> no. The crazy thing is that's not even the end of the movie where we left off. Do you want to describe the ending? (laughs) 
You have the floor. Um, okay, so basically after chauffeur dad stabs rich dad, and like by now everyone's <laughs> running away screaming. And so then he just like realizes like, oh god, here's what I did. And and he's like, I gotta run. So he he goes on the run. You don't really see where for a while. But uh he disappears. Um, the police try to find him, but the mansion security cameras, uh, like they they were disabled by the previous. Yeah, it was by the previous housekeeper. Yeah, that was all very minor point. It was explained earlier, but mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, so because of that, uh, the camera that would have pointed directly at chauffeur dad uh, didn't work, and so nobody could find him at all and uh and uh the son who initially like they show him as if he's dying he doesn't die but he he has seizures is that what it is yeah i mean he has brain damage and he has seizures and stuff like that yeah and he he he'll like laugh uncontrollably even at things like even he went to his sister's funeral and he was laughing mm -hmm. uh, just because he couldn't help it um, and then, of course, the mom is also there as well. The it's almost a weird Joker mm -hmm. connection. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Huh. <laughs> that specific detail of the, inappropriate laughing. He goes up to the hill one last time to look through the window of the rich family. Mm hmm. The son does? The son does. To see is that, that another, another back there? Yeah, because well, like another family had moved in. It was specifically he waited until people stopped tailing him because there were suspects for the longest time. But he like right, he didn't even right. know where his dad was. And then they look and they looks in and a different family now lives in the rich house. A German mm -hmm. family. Yeah. What the, the Germans don't just eat bratwurst and beer. <laughs> <laughs> but the the thing that ends up being really fortunate that they, they it seems it seems like it's not going to be important earlier, but it ends up being really important at the end is that there was one specific light. Um, like a hallway that was lit up with lights that for some reason don't know why anyone would do this for some reason the light switches are controlled in the basement where the um, the man who was in extreme poverty was living mm -hmm. and so there is a button that controls that hallway light so it turns out that the um, unbeknownst to everyone, after the chauffeur dad stabs rich dad, he retreats back into the house, um, knowing the that he'll never evade police suspicion, and goes into the cellar that nobody knows about except for his family at this point um, to hide. And he's basically stuck there because there's another family that lives there with a uh, maid that they say never really leaves. Um so the son realizes that he's in the basement because he uses the light switch to write him a message in Morse code. Mm -hmm. And so the movie ends with the son fantasizing about one day becoming rich and being able to buy the house that his dad lives in to save him. But then yeah. the last scene cuts to him being in the same poor subterranean house that him and his mom now live in alone, implying that it'll never actually happen. Right, because he's still if, not able to get into college to be able to afford 
this extravagant house. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's millions of dollars. It's like the likelihood. Like I, when I saw that, I was like, if I was in that situation, even just right now, I'm not like in extreme debt or anything. There is no way I think in my lifetime mm-hmm. I'd make enough money to buy that house. Most likely not, even for me. Yeah. Uh, the director gave a stat for it. Oh, did he? Yeah. That it, house has got to be at least um, six million dollars plus, if I were to guess. Well, Keith was saying Depends it's a fake house, too. Huh? Like, I don't know. Uh, it's supposed to be a house that's on like a a set or something. Like, it, like they built it just for the movie or something. Hmm. Oh. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I can just find the quote. On the f- fly, parasite necessarily, house but the uh, cost. I, I, I've seen a quote reoccur a few times now, where it's the it, the director specifically said that like it would have taken uh, it would take the kid like I think it was like five hundred years to buy that house or something like that. Oh, that's not bad. How long <laughs> is that? Five hundred years. Yeah, chill out, man. I know how to find years? it on the fly yeah. right now. It's. Oh, it would take it's 564 like, years for Kiwu to actually save up the money in order to buy the house. 561 um, ba- years? That's tomorrow. On, <laughs> that's, <laughs> move. Like, that's at today's price if it never goes up. Yeah. Yeah. What is the... What, how, like, based on, on what? Um, I, 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 I think, oh, uh, I've seen, like, interview quotes at this point, but I can't, like... I don't have like sources ready. It says it says there's a song that plays during the credits that the director wrote himself, and the song is about how the son spent his days trying to earn money to purchase the house. That's so funny. So says I didn't the know that. In the song, that's funny. Oh, yeah. it's like Bastion. <laughs> <laughs> he dug a hole, but they built the wall. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I don't need your pity pats. That's fine. I love that song. That song's great. It doesn't really fit that much, but so here's the thing. That's about war, right. but I, I, there, I've, I've. That game's one about thing war I can't get over with this movie, and that xenophobia. is the dad locks himself in the cellar. He's basically imprisoned himself. Why doesn't he turn himself in? He's already in like his self-imposed jail, right? I was kind of thinking of that too. And still, like he, yeah, he still has to forage for food essentially yeah it seems to me that his self-imposed prison is way worse than what he would experience in real prison so i don't know why he doesn't just turn himself in at that point i mean my best guess for that is just that he feels a lot of guilt for what he did and so he's like punishing himself i kind of see that and the lights and the sheer depth the staircase is all being elements of like how movies aren't always meant to be entirely literal, but sometimes choices are made for entirely for metaphorical resonance. Ah, fair. I get the impression, like I always, like, like I those imagine lights would never exist. Oh yeah, no. I was gonna say I imagine in real life, um, like I, this, like the way I picture it, it actually ending, um, despite the kid's fantasy of him buying the house, is I imagine that eventually, like the dad's just gonna be down there until he 
gives up and then eventually he is going to come up and be arrested and that's just kind of like what would mm-hmm. happen realistically because there's because yeah, you think you'd fair. hold out to see if you can think of something like oh can i think of a plan and you kind of would stay down there and like and kind of mull it over for a good while and then probably eventually you either get caught or you're just like you know fuck it and you come up the stairs finally to a, a german family that would be so horrified to see some <laughs> random guy just walk out of their basement well because like the end result is you have you have one well-to-do family that has was essentially a series of minor inconveniences. And then you have a not well-to-do family who comes out of this with one person permanently altered, one person buried even deeper than their, than their class when they started and one person dead. And then another person just mourning the loss of what's happened to the rest of their family. God, and like, you're right. and it was like a blip for the, for the people. Yeah. That they, they, they just like, they, yeah. they just like, you know, uh, well, well the dad, their dad, the dad died though. Rich dad? Did you rich dad? Yeah, yeah. you yeah. forgot that yeah. part. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's, that's kind of important, but fundamentally, like the kid will be fine, and they'll all be fine. I mean, they're still scarred, but I mean. But I, I just think about like the idea that like they thought the rich family thinks the lights are automated. There's three right. lights over the staircase that they think light up as they can walk in the room because they're automated, and so whenever it, the it does weird blinking, they think it's like fritzing out, but. The whole time, there's literally a person in their basement who keeps mashing his head into the into the buttons to light the lights and as a prayer to the to the park father because he sees them as like a deity. So it's like the multi layer thing of like one is how the poor learn to like how to how to worship people that are sufficiently rich and think that they completely deserve their station and that they're like people who are like, like the, the type of way that people talk about Elon Musk and stuff like that, like the like the weird obsession. But then on the same level, it shows how the dad benefits from the labors of people below him without even without understanding even realizing that it. that's what's mm-hmm. happening. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Keith's, the, re- Keith's referring to that guy locked in the basement and yeah. not the not the parasite chauffeur dad. Not, yeah, not the, not well, the, the guy him ends dad. up having to adopt the same role. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I wonder lights. if he does. Well, if, he press, if he presses the button or not. Well, if he doesn't press well, the buttons, I would, def- people I would definitely... Gonna, yeah, I I think they showed him uh, continuing yeah. with the lights. And if he doesn't do it, then he's going to get caught. Right? I wonder about that. Because eventually yeah. they're going to investigate, like, oh, why are these lights not working? And then they like follow it and probably yeah. eventually figure out, like, hey, there's a there's a dungeon in your house. <laughs> That's weird. Where does and this wire go? Up. They open it up and they're like, subway. <laughs> 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 Subway in my house. <laughs> why, why does it smell poor under this rich place? <laughs> and then he just goes into another rage. Family. Oh. And the cycle continues, and then he discovers another cellar, even deeper than the one before. <laughs> Parasite Two. Yeah. But like there's definitely choices that are made entirely for their metaphorical reasoning. Like one was the light, the other one was the rock. Like at yeah. the beginning yeah, of the mo- at yeah. the beginning of the movie, this the son is given this rock that's supposed to Im- improve his station in life, and he's given it's to called it- a scholar's stone. Yeah, and he's given to it. He's given it by his like his rich college friend that like gets him ca- the job. He ca- yeah, he comes in. He specifically gives him the job because he sees him as non threatening. Ye- well, yeah, like, <laughs> that's he, true. Like, he he gives him the job for condescending reasons because he doesn't want actual his actual peers to get his job while he's gone because he sees those people as more threatening. So he wants he wants somebody like him that can be easily re replaced and so on. And he like talks him up, but he specifically is talking about why he wants this poor guy to have the job in the meantime instead of somebody somebody else in his station. 
but he gives him this this rock that's supposed to improve his station and like when you're getting to the climax of the movie when things are getting more and more desperate and when they lost their whole house and everything in it at least for the time being they definitely lost the stuff in it but they get their house back by the end uh he's he specifically salvages that rock and he carries it with him throughout the entire time that they're basically refugees he takes it with with him all the way to the party and he's carrying it with him even when he like is he he's carrying it with him which the thing that represents his hope of being able to to increase his own class he takes it with him and and ultimately gets his head beaten with it i was going to say but it's also what screws him over because it gets what gets him caught is when he drops it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Like it, it actively hobbles it's him. It's an anchor. This, this this lie about what he can do to change his life. I was like trying and to. He does keep saying he did say at one point is like this stone never leaves me. It, yeah, it, it says it's like it's clinging him. to me. It's, yeah, it's mm-hmm. clinging no. to him. I th- I think it's like it's like an it's an anchor. It's like it's hope, but the hope itself is an anchor. And the and the hope is oh, also no, a cursed. lie. <laughs> it's like has a, a ghost it's like in a it. D&D accessory. He touched it and it's like, ah, oh, damn it. I can't get rid of it. Yeah. It just follows but him. At the end, he leaves it. Do you it's think it's him ghost. leaving his hope? Why did he leave Spooky it again? He put it in the river rock. back yes. where it probably was originally, maybe from. He might have given up. I was going to say, he puts he, it in the river. He writes that letter back to his dad. when Because mm-hmm. his dad tells him where he is via the strobing of the light. Like he does Morse code. And then mm-hmm. he writes a letter back to his dad, but it's a it's a letter about a thing he can't ever accomplish, and it's a letter he can't ever give to his dad. And as he's yeah, as he's and reading he it, the rock he back, puts the rock in the river. Like, I think it's I think that's hope. I think he's giving up on it. Yeah, yeah, I think he's giving up. It's like the acknowledgement that everything he's saying is a lie because he can't do any of these things and he'll never see his dad again. Mm-hmm. Initially, I thought I was just missing something because I didn't really know what a scholar stone really was, but I really mm-hmm. do. I do think it's like because because I think a scholar stone. It's supposed to look like a mountain range, is what it is. So it's maybe it's like mm. potential. Mm. Um, but then at the end, it ends up being like the, his hope ends up being the thing that kills him or ruins his whole family, and so he gives up. Isn't the scholar stone, <laughs> one of the Horcruxes that Harry Potter was trying to get. It's a rock that like in drown the first you. movie, right? In the first movie, yeah. In the it was first Harry Potter and the scholar stone. <laughs> the scholar stone. <laughs> There's multiple correct answers, and that's none of them. <laughs> I like that answer. Oh, there's seven Horcruxes, yeah. and I picked the. It's either the Philosopher's Stone or the Sorcerer's Stone, because they thought the people in the West would be too stupid to know what a Philosopher's Stone was, so they just called it. The I Sorcerer's saw Full Metal Stone, Alchemist. It sounds like a wizard. I yeah. know what a Philosopher's Stone it was, is. In, in its in its original country, it was just called the Philosopher's England. Stone, but in they thought Americans were too country. stupid. They thought Americans were too stupid, so they renamed it. Full Metal Alchemist. Even though they call it the Philosopher's Stone in the movie, the whole movie, and in the book, the whole book, but the, the title of both the movie and the book are called Sorcerer's Stone for no reason because they thought that we wouldn't get what a Philosopher's Stone is. <laughs> it's a, it's just a weird thing they stuck with. So yeah, it doesn't work in this movie. Uh, they got a broken, <laughs> broken Philosopher's Stone. Uh. What well, a I mean, scene, by the way! Like when they he beats his he beats his head with it, I and it's off camera. Sure. So you're like, oh, okay, that's like, bad for him. But then and in the, and you're like used to them not showing that kind of violence. So you're like, oh, okay, I guess that's it. Then he does it again, and it's on camera the second time. You're like, ah, no! I, the, so the guy chucks it, falls yeah. at his head. It makes a noise. Uh, yeah, his whole body the noise shakes. Is the worst. I I was like, I actually like during when we were watching it. Uh, he, 
you know, not at the theater. I was watching it with Keith. I was like, I really appreciate that blunt force trauma work because it's really hard finding good blunt force trauma in films that they don't like pan away from. Because I'm a fucking yeah. sicko and I look for stuff yeah. like that. Crush more but I was like, head on I was film. like, yeah, no, that was a good blunt force trauma scene. I'm really impressed by that. So if you're looking for blunt force trauma in a fo- in a film, here you go, everybody. Watch Parasite. Oh, I mean, that's the number one thing I look for in a movie. <laughs> It's it. I mean, I go to Netflix and there's like all those genres like action, comedy, blunt force drama. Mm, that list is always empty. Not anymore. We got an entry. You haven't seen it, but mm-hmm. Midsummer, Midsummer won my blunt force drama. Oh boy. We'll we'll, we'll, talk, we'll watch that and talk about that. But if, if oh you've seen boy. it out there, people, you know which scene I'm talking about. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm sure good's quite a word for it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh what was it the, the quote this the, the the one quote that sticks out to me continuously is always the one from the party like of course she's nice she's rich if i was rich i'd be nice too yeah i thought yeah. that was <laughs> that was what the mom said of the the poor family right Cause, yeah because yeah. like it's what you always would say is like oh like they're not that bad though the rich family and it's like it's like yeah because they're so they're so naive and privileged and totally set that they don't have any hardships. And so they have no friction and their problems are so small. And so they're pleasant and polite and courteous. It's all ritualized. Well, they always say if you want to like know somebody best, you have to know them in like a bad situation. Yeah. Because you know? mm-hmm. I, I, these people don't know what a bad situation is. This, this family, I think every character in this, in this movie was extremely... Um, well, so the family, I think every member of the family was really likable. I actually really liked the family as a whole, mm-hmm. which made it really, really sad at the end when they get all, when their family gets ruined. I actually wasn't expecting that because of how well written and like enjoyable I mean, the family was. Liking the family is why it's so satisfying to watch them pull off what's and essentially like the heist. They're in the relatable. First half of the movie. Yeah. They're, you're, you know, as, as like a normal person, <laughs> it's, it's they're like they're relatable and their problems are kind of relatable. The rich family is like also, they're also really well written, but they are like naive mm. and, it, it you do it like i like i said i really resented them they did a really good job of writing them to make me feel that way mm-hmm. um i really wasn't rooting for the poor family because i immediately picked up on like the lack of class solidarity and like the greed aspect of it but, uh but you can't as blame as, them huh i don't think you can blame them i think that like the bad situation is what makes like everything that they do that i think that you can argue is villainous i think is just a product of their situation same thing like how the other family was also leeching. I mean, the, the other people were leeching off of them, too. Neither one is really better than the other. To some extent, it also helps that you get the impression that all the people are displacing are still of a higher class than them. That's what they keep thinking they'll, they'll the just, whole movie. Yeah, like they think that they'll just bounce to another job. They're fine, like, right? Especially That's the what driver. they tell themselves. Yeah. But then, of course, you find out that they're... And it's communicated via the visual aspect of how deep the basement is that they're, they're, they're fucking with people that are even lower than them now. And so they're essentially the people that are now that are now punching down the way that they're already dealing with. And they think that they're they think they're better than them for a minute. They're like, you mm-hmm. live in a basement. But then it's like you, they remember, oh, well, we also kind of live in a basement. And then that guy talks about how his business went under. Mm-hmm. That was a food shop. And then it's like the dad had the same exact problem. Neither one of them is really better than the other. But they're both put in situations that force them to be not nice, you know, because they're not rich. They can't be nice. So I don't I don't really blame them. It's just it's such a it's it's such a brutal fucking parallel when uh 
everybody's in this like refugee camp location or whatever you want to call this area that everyone's like kind of just sleeping in and like it's like a stadium or something uh just as what just to weather out the storm because they've all been displaced from their homes and while that's happening the rich family's just looking out a window while their kid hangs out in a teepee in the storm like it's fun for them and like it's like exciting like like oh we get to hang out in the storm and like the juxtaposition of those happening in parallel in the same city like hits you hard mm-hmm. or like it's like a fun thing to to be like a tourist of when you're so well to do that it can't affect you when it's like ruining the lives of people at the same night in the same city and then, and then like they fetishize being poor yeah. like the rich family like gets off on like thinking about poor people oh yeah no they literally they literally wear the daughter's panties the, the mom is wearing the, the 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 rich mom is wearing the poor daughter's panties yeah, because, in that scene yeah and they and they go at it over it oh yeah while yeah. the same daughter and her father are under the table under them right there in that scene they're laying under the table so they're physically beneath and they're them they're like 50 feet away from their kid in a yeah. teepee <laughs> yeah, that, just, that part, yeah. yeah. And they're just listening to the, their own class be fetishized, and in a very literal sense in this case, just in case people thought it was too on the nose to use the word fetishized throughout this whole review, <laughs> they literally fetishize their poorness and like, oh yeah, fuck me on the subway and stuff like yeah, that. No, yeah, they're fetishizing <laughs> fucking in a car, yeah. which, is in, which is like, you know, if you're rich <laughs> enough to have your own house and you don't have to fuck in a car... And then also the, the 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 rich mom's like, buy me drugs, buy me drugs, because that, that's what she, that's what she thinks oh, yeah. poor people do. <laughs> so much, to, right. so much to take in. You're like, oh no, these people are awful. Like that's the scene that kills their likability. If if you mm. if you were able to 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 like stomach them until that point, it's so hard to at that point. <laughs> like it's I, it's revolting. I forgot a lot of that because all I could think of during that scene was like, your kid's fifty feet away. Yeah, and also the dad's like seduction technique was like the worst <laughs> i was just like this well, is not getting me in the mood like i have to watch this but like this is almost as bad as like when they were going down in the basement the tension of that <laughs> just blown away by watching these two like hook up yeah it was a little cringy also, because definitely very awkward. Didn't the kid have like a spotlight too? The kid had a spotlight yeah. in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Just aim it. Yeah, the kid, at the window. If that uh, if things had gone a little bit differently, then that kid have wound up going to the hospital with another seizure. <laughs> three for three in the movie. He <laughs> <laughs> would have drawn like stick figures, and his art teachers would be like. Like, we need to take him to the psychiatrist. He keeps drawing stick figures, like, smashing into each other. <laughs> it is it is such another fantastic setup and payoff was the idea that, like, with the kid's seizures, where, like, the thing that inspired this fear in the first place was that he thought he saw a ghost in the middle of the night, but it was really the poor dad from the basement yeah. coming up for food in the middle of the night. And then at the end of the movie, they're giving him his like recovery cake for like how he's, he's, he's past his symptoms now and his trauma. And he comes, the exact person comes out again. And that's what makes him pass out in the ending. Is the, yeah. is the ghost. Like, that kid's, yeah, that kid's <laughs> fucked. It's a, it's a really like intricate little script. Like it's tight. No, no part gets wasted. Mm-mm. Weird details that come out of nowhere you, you realize are suddenly really important. Like half an hour later, I like how the um, the 
the poor daughter, when pretending to be an art teacher, explains that the corner is the schizophrenia corner. And it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. when your kid scribbles uh. here, it means something. I imagine, like, all these, that schizophrenia corner is going to be pretty big in this next drawing. It's going to be, like, half the fucking page. <laughs> she, was, she was just making shit up. Really convincingly. Like, you can fucking read, like, you can read children's drawings like they're tea leaves. <laughs> or, like, fingerprints. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, they always the use blue part, here when they're sad. <laughs> the only part I thought that was a little unusual about that was that the poor daughter somehow guessed exactly when the rich boy had his ghost trauma Mm. because that's why the mom was like oh no and like that's how she believed like oh you're legit like you're a legit art psychotherapist so we don't we don't know but i thought she was just lying well i think she was she just actually talked to the kid and was pretending that she's like interpreting it from her art because that was her whole gambit was to invent a problem only she could solve in order to create a job for herself so she had to create a fear that she could commodify so she probably just talked to the kid about it and the kid mentioned it and he she just pretended to interpret it from the schizophrenia corner that, that's probably that's probably right i i did i also thought that was weird when mm-hmm. i first saw it too i, I thought mm-hmm. like a better it would have been better if she had said like well when he was young kid because you know like you know like psychics they got into the audience they, they, oh, like, they say reading. something yeah. so vague that it's like you respond mm-hmm. to it but she said she said like the first grade mm-hmm. specifically so you're probably right it, yeah she, probably she was very talk. specific about it and it turns out that was the correct time yeah i thought that was weird too. Yeah, she even said that she read she either like watched a video or like read like an article about it. art therapy for a second and then just made it up as she went along from there is what she, is her, is yeah. her own admittance right. yeah, when she says it later to her family my confusion for that moment too i was just like, like she's absolutely just making it up this is just yeah. hinged on a lucky guess is that how yeah. this goes like and, and shots fired at art therapists across <laughs> the world by the way yeah really yeah. <laughs> i mean it could be real or not real but the important thing is that she could use it as an in to uh i i think to that exploit the, the chances that the schizophrenia corner is a real concept are very low key <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't think there's a schizophrenia i don't know corner. man i don't I know think, i wouldn't I, be surprised though no i think it's more that like you like you just draw stuff in order to like work out uh, like feelings and emotions with kids that have trouble communicating well i think that you like yeah and i think they do it like because well i don't know how legit it is i was gonna say i know like how big they draw different people in the family like represents like how important they think they are in relation mm-hmm. to each other so if they draw themselves like really small they like don't think a lot about themselves and like all that stuff i don't know sometimes i think like oh this kid just like has a style or he wants to use like blue or something i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know how real any of that actually is but i found the detail was that like their whole goal was to blend in with rich society as be- as best as they could essentially to benefit from it and they during the party they specifically say that the daughter's the one that does the best job and that she fits that she fits in here and it suits her and she fits in so well she becomes the centerpiece of the party which is why she dies mm-hmm. so she specific on that yeah. she specifically dies because of how well she perfectly fits in that she became like the central figure of the party well i think like they do kind of mention that a few times where they talk about um, 
how yeah during like when they all get drunk they talk about how she deserves to be rich and how she was sitting in the bathtub and she looked like she was so at home but i think there's this kind of like you know like that's that's our daughter like there's this kind of like feeling about that with people where it's like that's like our our crown jewel is like our Mm -hmm. beautiful daughter and she is really like she's really pretty and so like that's like that's the one it's like a shame and during the scene where they, they go through the flood the dad at first says like you wait here, don't yeah, walk don't through in. the sewer water. He, he tries. He mm-hmm. tries to tell her not to do it, which is very sweet of him. But it mm-hmm. ends up being inevitable. But like, there's something like I don't know. Maybe kind of like, it's it's a shame to have like our our like our beautiful daughter suffer because of our ineptitude. Like I don't know. It, it's it, it's kind of a sexist thing, smokes, but which is actually kind of funny. She's seen smoking like three times yeah. in the movie, and she's the only character that does that. <laughs> I like that. Actually. I don't think there's a meaning to it. I think it's just like a very fun little touch that they give her an edge. Yeah, she's cool. I like her. I, I like all, I like the whole family. I think they're all really... I like them all. I think it's a movie that rewards re- rewatches a lot. It just seems it seems really elaborate. Like I, I, I feel like I'm just going to keep picking things up if I watch it more. Because like, I think just this guy is... Are, he's really particular. I like meticulous directors. Yeah, that's why I like Kubrick so much. <laughs> he's like painstakingly I, oh meticulous. Like I saw a thing where they specifically when he's t- there's a scene I saw broken down where and and the directors like specifically back this up. It's not just like conjecture. Such as you, uh, the scene where he's talking to his college friend at the beginning of the movie. Uh, they specifically did it on a real set. And that bus that comes by is specifically timed to pass when he says a specific word for emphasis. So they had to do the scene over and over again until it synced up. Oh, when the, when the bus went by, mm-hmm. I don't remember what what exactly the, what the emphasis was, but I just found that really interesting. That like they there were there's details like that are intentional. I probably didn't like even notice so that. Many specific elements or think about it at all because it has like a, a sound sting and it emphasizes a specific statement during that conversation and it's like and it's not just like a coincidence and since, you know what actually since we don't speak korean we won't know what word it is because the word yeah, the word exactly. the sentence structure yeah. is different too. yeah because yeah. like, we're just reading the subtitles so, yeah and word sentence structures are all over the place mm-hmm. yeah that's mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. obstacle sometimes it's a matter of personal taste for me but i i kind of don't really like when the world is too perfect in situations like that where mm-hmm. okay the the bus goes by right at the right time or like the lightning strikes right when they're talking about how like oh it's uh shit's gonna start going down basically is what the dad says and then lightning strikes and everyone's like haha weird and then the old housekeeper shows up like right at that moment I don't know. For I me think, personally, I'm like the universe is way too chaotic to have things line up that way. But it's just an artistic choice. Yeah, that I, I just weirdly, have to get over. Weirdly, I think I dig artificiality. Like one of my favorite directors uh, is Edgar Wright. I was going to say and everything oh. is so not really realistic about all of his movies. I was going to say Wes Anderson. I was going to yeah. say oh, yeah, Wes Anderson too. Do you not yeah. like Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson and Edgar Wright are so much like magic reality sort of like Wes Anderson's more visually perfect as far yeah. as like symmetry, and then Edgar Wright is like cut his editing is like and there's bam, timing bam, bam. of things that just can't happen that way yeah, with Wes Anderson it uh, it's less of a issue for my taste because um, it's mostly just uh, it feels more quaint 
with like the way that he's like setting up his world where that everything is, is super yeah. symmetric and it has these sort of pastel colors and stuff like that. It's visually artistic. Right. What I like less personally is when um it's tied more into the dramatic or the meaning aspect or meaningful aspects of the movie. Um I'm just I don't know. I don't care much for that license. When it's like too on the nose. When the universe is lining up um so much with like the yeah i guess on the nose is a way to think about it but like when it's when it's lining up so much with what is the meaning of the movie like that's transcending not only um what's actually happening but like what the director is trying to get across that's what i'm like this is a little over indexed in any sort of real uh scenario i just hate when characters say say the meaning of the movie out loud <laughs> <laughs> like fucking I'm just picturing at the end of the movie we the are the parasite like, yeah it's just right something like that there's, there's an oh. infamous scene that they unironically recreated in the show of the walking Which dead show? where yeah. an issue there's an issue that just like 50 issues in or something that ends with like we are the Walking Dead. Oh my god! <laughs> they actually, say it, Uh-oh. and then the show does it too, and you're like, "No, stop!" <laughs> Everyone's doing it. Looks at camera. <laughs> <laughs> like the it's it's written in font that's not. It goes beyond bold. It's so it goes <laughs> beyond bold into being bubble letters, where it's the outlines of letters with white on the inside because of how big they are. <laughs> it's like we are the Walking Dead. Oh my god! Such slug. The son just looks to the camera dead on, and he's just like, who was the parasite? Was it us? Or was it you? Ooh. It's like the movie ends. It just ends right wow, 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 thank you, third grade essay prompt. <laughs> it's like when I got to the uh, the end of Orange is the New Black, and the final, the final chapter is... Uh, is like for a class to like a bunch of prompts to think about <laughs> like oh my for gosh. school <laughs> like that's that's like after you you finish the whole thing then there's an epilogue then there's an interview what school and is then, reading and that? then there's like yeah like there's like is this like prompts. elementary school reading about uh like prison lesbians yeah <laughs> i would i would yeah that i love that class <laughs> the prison lesbian class <laughs> i mean i took the magic witchcraft and religion class so i'm not i'm not gonna like be surprised by anything at this point that was just fun i took gender studies <laughs> and it was worth ge for that it was actually mandatory so <laughs> it was great i took jazz appreciation once did you just do the hands <laughs> just the whole class just, just a my, class on just, jazz class my hands people. up <laughs> jazz hands Did you take a class on a blunt force trauma appreciation? I would ace it. <laughs> I would ace it for sure. Would you be a, a TA for blunt force trauma appreciation? I bring a watermelon to class like Gallagher and I just smash <laughs> it as my group, as my project. I'm like, here. Uh, I, part, I partly wonder how they did that scene. Like, did they just drop the rock behind his head? Me too. Was I was, like, was it like a perspective I was trick? That too. Because, like, punches are a perspective trick where they're actually, like, three feet away when they punch people. Mm-hmm. They do yeah. it where, like, the person punching is further away and the person getting punched is closer to the camera. So they, mm-hmm. like, don't even connect at all. So I was like, did they... But, like, it looked too tight. So I was like, did they just film both parts separately and overlap them? Like, I was really... I, I got really curious They, they must that. have? Because I was like... I like to think that they might have... Uh, 
been completely tone deaf to the movie that they were making and the director was like okay uh bring me a poor person kill him we need to do the rock smashy scene <laughs> bring me an we'll expendable poor add person the actual actor's face <laughs> maybe oh, over this God. corpse of this poor person we killed <laughs> many oh, poor people man. were harmed in the filming of this movie <laughs> emotionally and physically <laughs> We actually simulated a doo-doo flood. There were no survivors. <laughs> That's what they call it, like on set, professionally on the little like cla- the, the little flood. clacker thing. It says scene eighty four, doo-doo flood, clack, rolling. <laughs> All right, everyone, get your toilet paper ready. We're shoving it down the entire uh, a block's <laughs> worth of toilets and flushing at the same time. We're gonna block every toilet. The studio probably did not appreciate that. (laughs) Nor did the city. (laughs) Nor did the people. I'm always caught up guard by how much of movies is fake. Like all of them, all of it. It's not like every movie. No, I I just mean like like I've seen some documentaries. I've seen some behind the different. I've seen some behind the scenes stuff, and I'm just like, I thought they were just filming in a city. Like, I thought they were just filming in a real city, in the city scenes. You thought the hyenas and Birds of Prey were real. You thought the hyena I, was I, real. I questioned it. No. But no, like, when they're, it when was they're, definitely like, when he's sitting there talking to his college friend, like, that's all a set that they built mm-hmm. for that scene. And it's like, like, the entire exterior that you see through the semi-basement is an entirely artificial set. And I'm like... Fucking movies are expensive. <laughs> someone Jesus hasn't Christ. someone hasn't gone on the Universal Studios tour bus ride. I have where they bring you through the whole city, the I fake told, city. I told you that I have because the one they played the Carly Rae Jepsen song over and over again because they're trying to make us leave because the guy thought he was going to be done after the previous ride. Then we all got on and he was told that he had to do it again. So he played that song. I want to soak up the sun. It's not Carly Rae Jepsen. That's whoever That's does what? that one. Gonna tell everyone. But that's a Cheryl Crow. Some lady, yeah. some lady on a beach music video, and she he played it like ten times before he finally took us on the tour. He's trying to get us to just all leave. So, so I've been on the ride. I've been to Universal Studios once, <laughs> and you've heard that song ten times. Yeah, yeah, that was the wrong decade for Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah, that's called me maybe, yeah. right? That, like, oh, you're right. That's more. who it is. That was yeah. From YouTube Rewind and nothing else. Whatever happened to that person? <laughs> That's hot. Uh, Paris Hilton. Maybe, maybe That's that was, hot. Maybe that was in my head because I said Gangnam Style earlier. And that was the other song from the same YouTube Rewind. Hey, speaking oh, of Will Smith, I heard that uh, <laughs> Aladdin actually it. did... I heard that Aladdin actually did really, really well. No, all the, Financially? No, all of yeah. the all the Disney remakes make ungodly amounts of money despite being panned by everyone. Yeah, people won't stop watching them in great numbers to the point where like I think two of the Disney remakes were already in like the top ten grossing movies of all time or some shit like that. Like it's it's gross. Which Lion King? I think Lion King's already in there. Oh my god! I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of mad. Does that take into consideration inflation? I'm going to continue to not watch any of them. That's That's all I care about. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, you've already seen. Have you already seen Lion King? No. Oh, you, you didn't go through with it. No, that's good. I've heard it's terrible. <laughs> Just watch Lion King. Really Just watch bad. real Lion King, yeah. the good one. I think Lion King came out like the year I was born. That was you, like that was like the theme of my life for a little bit. Here's how. Here's how. Here I can, I can I can get you to never watch it permanently. 
You know the amazing Be Prepared song? They cut it. It's not in the movie. Oh! Be Prepared's not in the live action That's like movie. the best song in that yep. whole movie. Yes! No, they cut most of the songs and oh. a lot of them. And then they also do a lot of them shittier. Like they auto-tuned, they, they auto-tuned Emma, Emma Watson throughout uh, Beauty and the Beast so her voice is shitty. There's a sideways video that came out yesterday about specifically the, the music in the live action movies. And it's just, it sounds like a disaster. And then Mulan's just going to not have music. It's yeah. just going to not have any of the Wh- songs. Which is a shame because Mulan has like but, some of the best Disney songs but ever. But doesn't well, like musicals. Everybody goes to karaoke and they sing Make Man Out of You. Yep. Hell yes. yeah. How are they going to do that? Yep. They're just going to not do it. Oh. They, their goal is to make money, not good stuff. That's been shown by the last like four or five remakes. I don't know how many deep. How, how many deeper? They make more money by keeping the songs. Well, they had in, Dumbo though. too. They even made a You'd yeah. They had Dumbo, Dumbo, Lion <sighs> King, Aladdin. They already wrote the songs Jungle once. Book. The Jungle movie's going to make money. They made a, se- they made a sequel to Mary Poppins, no, just which was basically a remake because had the same plot as far as I heard. No, they even did Mary Poppins already. <laughs> Six. And I feel uh, like I'm next missing. is Mulan. A Mary Poppins movie. What does she come back? Yes, she flies it's back literally down called Mary Poppins again. Returns. That's the name of the movie. This is how soulless it's not Julie Andrews, to, to, I but yeah. to, This is how soulless Disney is now. She comes back like she's now. fucking like Sarah yeah. Connor. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm here to save you and the future. <laughs> Her umbrella is also a gun. Saving Mr. Banks. It brings a whole new meaning to saving Mr. Banks. <laughs> yeah, man. You know it. Uh, it's now, a spoon I'm, full of sugar a, because sugar doesn't exist in the future. I'm on a mission. Medicine. I'm on a mission to make this the Disney free zone. This podcast series, I'm done with. Well, them. as we just talked After about Skywalker. Disney, no, I mean, like we're not gonna do a video on oh. an honest Disney movie again. Like Skywalker was the last one. I don't know. We might do get, one on accident. They own now. everything. That is the problem. <laughs> that is the risk. All right, so back to Parasite. I know does we it, talked yeah. about Will Smith. Does a anyone lot. have any closing thoughts on this or any? Let's thing talk about Will cover? Smith for another two hours. Just kidding. <laughs> Let's not do I that. I was going to say, we could watch a Will Smith movie, but there hasn't been a good one for like 15 years. I like The Pursuit of Happiness. Oh. That was 15 years ago. Really? <laughs> I think. Oh. <laughs> it's, I mean, his son was a baby, and now he's like, uh, what if eyes aren't real? Yeah, and that was 10 years ago, too. eyes are lies. <laughs> How can we believe mirrors if our eyes aren't real? Now he's, now he's an anime boy. That's, that's Huckin' Toblerone. Oh yeah, yeah. We can watch yeah. uh we can watch After Earth if you want to see a Will Smith I, movie. I have. Don't. How's that working out for you? Don't watch that movie. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> Do not watch After Earth. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Do not watch that movie. <laughs> it was such a mistake. Oh, it's just shit Riddick. Watch Riddick. <laughs> it's an incredibly bad Riddick because it's Jaden Smith as Riddick. <laughs> Will Smith sits in a room the entire time talking to him on the radio. It's just shitty Riddick Jaden Smith. He was in the Karate Kid remake, and I was like, I watched like I think maybe it's ten minutes of it, plan. and I was like, we are nope. discussing William Smith. Yeah, this is the, this is the <laughs> William. William Smith podcast. God, what if he went by Bill Smith instead of Will that. Smith? Yeah. <laughs> Our whole lives would be different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere there's an alternate reality where everything is the same as Wait, it is right his now. Wait, Willard? But it's not even William. 
Willard? <laughs> Willard Carroll Smith. Sir Willard Jr. Is that, is that true? Yes, that's what it says on his Wikipedia page. Oh this, could have, this could be fake. They could have <laughs> they could have messed with it. It could be a really funny I joke. Really hope that's real. I'm like, I'm making that canon. His real name is Sir Willard Anders Smith the Third Esquire. <laughs> what does Esquire even mean? I never understood what it means Esquire you're a lawyer. was. It means you, right, it means he says Will Smith is Willard Carol Will Smith Jr. Carol. <laughs> Oh my goodness, the name, Carol. The name you use for like an office worker you don't like. Carol. Carol. Willard. Or Carol. Oh, Carol. <laughs> I mean, Get Willard together, sounds Carol. like... Willard sounds like the name that you would give like a Jughead character. Willard, there's a movie called Willard and it's about a guy that like has an army of rats that he uses <laughs> to kill people. <laughs> no, it's like, it's it's been remade. It's like, it's actually like a famous... <laughs> Concept. Batman <laughs> yeah, no, look it up. Willard. <laughs> Speaking of which, we were promised giant rats and Joker, and we didn't get them. <laughs> Is that why I thought it was, it was being a Batman villain? Wait, what? Remember at the beginning of Joker, there's a newspaper that promises oh, giant rats. No, they, they, never, they, they, no, they run in the background during. Yeah, but like the, the scene after like, the it parents. Should have been, it should have been literally the villain. <laughs> it should have anyway, been giant rats. Parasite. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> I think we're done-ish. Does I don't really have any closing anything? thoughts. Uh, this movie was interesting to me because, um, yeah, they're, like all the messaging and the themes are really, really cool. Uh, I really liked the fact that we got to see like a little bit of like what South Korean culture is like in terms of like what people wear, uh, what they drive, that sort of thing. Um, and then for me personally, it was kind of interesting because I... Normally, um, I place a lot of emphasis on, um, like the, 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 the craft that went into it. So like mm -hmm. how well, uh, put together was the story, how well put together was like the filmography and stuff like that. And, uh, for this movie, I was able to kind of let go of that a little bit more than usual and think like, okay, it doesn't have to be perfect for it to still be amazing, you know? So that was, that was kind of cool just for me on a personal level. Yeah, I appreciated just that it was very well thought out and really well made. Like, mm -hmm. it was beautifully shot. And the first half especially was just so entertaining mm -hmm. that, like, I had a good time watching the movie. I'm sorry, I just left a doo-doo flood. What? I just left a doo-doo flood again. <laughs> <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> um... No, I thought this movie was amazing. I, it's like a really... Uh, Keith said it was a solid movie. I think it's a good way of putting it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it had a really unique script, despite the pending lawsuit that I don't think is valid. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I've never seen a movie with even a remotely similar script. Um, I'm, glad to, I'm glad to see that other countries also have uh, problems with uh, poverty gaps. <laughs> yeah. But um, nope, characters are really well written. Dialogue was really well written. I think the acting was great. I think the cinematography was amazing. I like the uses, like the use of like light versus dark, and then like angles from like up, like up above, down below. A lot of symbolism mm -hmm. in this movie. Um, a lot of detail in like all the backgrounds and everything was like really to a T. Um, I like constantly caught myself in the movie, like during the movie, being like, "Wow, this like." This scene is like shot amazingly, and I, I can tell when a movie is good when I actually like 
notice if I don't notice that I usually don't think it it like doesn't matter or it's, it's, yeah, like, it's not, not worth noticing noteworthy but there's like a lot of scenes where I distinctly remember like being like wow like that's shot really well I'm gonna like mm-hmm. remember this distinctly because of how nicely it was like framed and everything yeah but no I saw like I I think it definitely deserved the Oscar I'm really glad to see it win it's a lot different than all of our other Oscar winners in recent years. Green Book. I give it a... Ooh. <laughs> Oscar winner Green Book. I give it a solid nine, oh. dude. Like, I'm... And I'm a mean... I'm a mean movie watcher. I'm like... I give it a solid nine. Eight, a, eight, I, 8.5. I'm not a coward. I'll give it a 10. I don't give anything 10s. Fuck it. 10. What? You know what? The only movie that's like a 10 for me <laughs> is like the fucking like... Maybe like The Shining. I think it's like one of the most perfect films I could think of. I'll give Parasite a 10, because for me, a 9 this year was Knives Out. Mm. So good. I'll give Knives also, Out an 8. Knives Out has officially outlived Skywalker in theaters, <laughs> despite coming out a month earlier. It is still in theaters, and Skywalker's out of theaters. Get shit on. <laughs> I think the movie, the only movie I'd give a 10 would be like Lawrence of Arabia. Controversial opinion there. Um, Lords of Arabia? No, I was going to say, that's on the American Film Association's greatest, or American Film Institute, I always forget. Like, that's, that's on so their greatest films cool. of all time list. I've never seen it. Oh, I'm bad so at watching awesome. anything. It's long, though. Old. It's like a three hour, three and, and a half hour movie. That's actually so why I've homework. never watched it, because I keep seeing that it's like that long, and I can't, yeah. I can't get myself to, to commit. It'll hook you so fast if you try to sit down and get through it. But, I mean, you then also have to be like, okay, I'm making a conscious decision that for the next four hours, I am going to be watching a, Mm -hmm. like, 60-year-old movie at this point. It's worth it. I think that if you can... If you can find the motivation or time to do it, like, it's awesome. I still need to watch all the old movies that Stephanie shames me for. (laughs) Dude, for a long time, I actually used to try to watch all the American Film Institute's 100 Greatest Films, and I got, like, a huge chunk through it. I'm, like, missing, like, maybe a fourth. But they change it every year. That's actually a really good... like way to get into film. I think it, uh, I discovered a lot of really cool films by doing that. And I also discovered a lot of really, really overrated films by doing yeah, that. <laughs> that is for sure true. That's for sure true. Um, I was, there's like one on there. It's like the jazz singer. And I think it's literally only on there because it's the first movie where people talk. It's like the hmm. first like one with actual audio. It's the first talkie. Yeah. Yeah. The first talkie. <laughs> and then, uh, Did they also walkie. Yeah, I think they walkied and talkied. It's a revolutionary <laughs> film. <laughs> they walked the walk, but did they also talk the talk? <laughs> yes, they did. They did. <laughs> but but I, was right, like, well, I was like, well, this movie isn't like amazing. It's literally just like a movie where a very important first thing happened. But yeah, it's a, it's a historic movie, but not yeah, necessarily. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this movie is basically perfect. Do you think, um, what, so was this your favorite movie of the year then? No, you said yours was Knives Out, huh? Yeah, but that's because you know, there's a pressure to say something different. <laughs> well, screw that. <laughs> Sometimes you just want to say a different thing than the other person you're already talking to. Not to be like, like the well, most... Pre- well, the movie I thought was really cool. I mean, Knives Out was so much fun. I, had I really, really like it a lot. I had a great... And maybe, like, we'll, maybe we'll get to that soon. 
I'd agree like week and a half because I think I saw I saw like the lighthouse and then I saw Parasite and then I saw Knives Out in like the course of like a week and a half or and something. And those are like the three best movies of the year. Yeah. It's like its main competitions like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is also up there next to Lighthouse and Knives Out and Parasite on my shelf. I actually I'm not sure which one like not to be like the most fucking pretentious asshole, but it's like, do I like the lighthouse or do I like Parasite better? My hoity-toity <laughs> film decisions. Uh, the difference is that no one knows struggles what the lighthouse will I watch is. today. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> ah, doesn't it feel great to be the petite bourgeoisie? <laughs> Aiming right for that middle, am I right? I I told Keith yesterday. I was like, or Keith was like, asking, he's like, oh, what? Are you, oh, like, I was talking about what I was going to do that day, and I was like, I'm going to paint my nails and watch Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. Yeah, that was a sentence that came out. Well, you know, just like, you know, yeah. g- girly things. <laughs> well, I, got, I got a kick out of the fact that Parasite kind of unmakes, like, it kind of replaces Joker directly in its own pr- in its own purpose. Yeah, you're right. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of just, like, just fucking jacking off about the Joker and how great it's supposed to be. And it's like, Parasite kind of does everything better that joker set out to do while also having a coherent story and point whereas the joker people still are arguing over whether or not it means anything because of how many conflicting messages it has throughout it and like i know when stephanie and i saw it, we just spent the entire drive home just kind of shouting about the weird mess of what it was even trying uh, yeah, to say yeah, I, I, and, mm, and you were going on about how taxi driver did it better already yeah it's like parasite came out the same year and was nominated alongside it and won the oscar but also does a better like you're not debating what parasite means like you're not like (laughs) like it didn't like it it, 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 like it didn't completely fail to convey its message the way that i feel like joker kind of does in a bunch of ways so joker was nominated for best picture yes i was gonna say the only thing i think it should have been nominated for was like lead actor and that's the only thing i think joker has the potential of winning phoenix (laughs) yes because i love that man it was great to watch he's so good it was a it was a very enjoyable viewing experience but it was a mess (laughs) yeah Mm. the biggest irony is some parasite the biggest irony is that guy scream that's now famous for screaming at Parasite for winning over Joker when Joker was so Ooh, important in Parasite some foreign film is that like if he had seen Parasite, it's like everything he wants in a movie. I like that Donald Trump was like <laughs> Donald Trump was like Yeah. Oh, like why is some South Korean film winning an Oscar? I want something like Gone with the Wind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that Gone with the Wind spoke volumes. God. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, like, all right. You feel the old. Yeah, that's definitely feeling the old. I bet Bernie would appreciate Parasite. Just saying. <laughs> P- people who appreciate Bernie appreciate Parasite. Can cats have a little Parasite? <laughs> Can Welcome. cat have a little Parasite? All right, podcast over. <laughs> Birds canceled. As soon as the memes come out, we're done. We're, we're done. done. Uh, Bye. Hope you all enjoyed it. Watch Bye, Parasite. Everybody. Watch Snowpiercer. Watch, watch Night's Out. Everything I like. Watch Lighthouse. <laughs> were we the parasites or were you? I'm Me. pointing at the webcam right now. <laughs> Feeding off of Stephanie our takes. Parasite. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> you ready to close right, it? Well, thanks for, thanks for stopping by the first Hot Takes cast. 
Is that what we're gonna call this one? What? Oh, you should. Uh, what takes cast. We've just we've just been calling it. Let's talk about. But and then, and then the name of the thing of them. Well, I don't. You can eh, you can call it your own thing and just confuse everyone. Hot Maybe takes. I will. You can call it Untitled Parasite Podcast, which is a title. <laughs> Take the letters of all of our first and names and then picture, make an acronym. You just put a picture of Pikachu being shocked for some reason. That's how the channel works, right? I like that picture. That was, if we sing. do that, we wind up with Knacks, which sounds to... like Knackle, so we might as well call the Knackle podcast. The Knackle podcast. <laughs> so the, named after the person who isn't just a call part the of the podcast. Just, yeah. he'll be, he might be in the next episode. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, spoilers. I guess if I haven't closed this yet. Uh, maybe watch Paranormal Agent, audience, if to be ready for a future episode when we get to what? it. What? Are, are you gonna watch it with me? Well, we're gonna watch it together, yes. and then I already told Andrew to watch it, so we'll That's discuss it with Andrew. That's my favorite anime of all time. And you guys time. can come too if you want to watch Paranormal Agent. <laughs> it's an anime. Yeah, it's my favorite. Satoshi so it's Kon. Right. It's by Satoshi Kon. He did Perfect Blue and Paprika and, and Tokyo Godfathers. Tokyo Godfathers. He's a millennium actress. Are there any furries in it? It's got that one plushy thing. Was it? It's got Maromi. Maromi. Yeah, he, he's like it's it based it's like a representation of like a Hello Kitty mascot, but it's alive and talks. It's you could make a furry out of it for yeah. sure. I'll see you guys next time. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye, everybody. That's barely a furry. <laughs> <laughs>